listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Um, I want to jump in today. You saw it in the uh, description of the broadcast talking about how to trigger your enemy and uh, with what? Weaponized words. And I want to talk to you about this. I came across, and, I, and I've been doing a study on this for probably over a couple of years now. Just It's one of my favorite topics to study. And um, I wanted to show it to you guys today because just in my devotional reading, and by the way, can I just tell you, if you want to get in with me, maybe we'll do it for May, but um, and, and I think it would be something really great to do I could post a uh, maybe a Google Calendar or something that you guys could all join, or maybe I'll put something out that you could download. Maybe it'd be easier. We could put it out as a PDF that you guys could, um, or even you know what would be cool is to do it as like a phone graphic that we could put up on uh, Instagram stories, and you could download it almost as a, like a wallpaper for your phone or something. But um, we, it's very easy. People think it's hard. You have to read a lot. It's actually very easy to go through the entire New Testament in one month. And um, all you have to do and really to do that is to read nine chapters of the Bible a day, which is not a lot. It takes less time to do that than to watch an episode of a Netflix show. And um, if you'll read nine chapters of the Bible from the Gospels through the book of Acts and then from Romans to Revelation, eight chapters a day, um, you get through the New Testament in one month. And it's an excellent Bible reading plan. So let's, um, let's just plan to do that because I think it's an excellent study and it, it does, it's not super intensive. I mean, nine chapters a day is nothing truly. And, uh, it's, it's excellent to read through the Bible through the new Testament in one month. So let's plan, let's plan for that in the month of May. You guys can join me and we'll go through the entire new Testament in a month. And, um, it's, it's really great. So I was reading and doing some devotions, of course, to just figuring out, um, figuring out or not figuring out finishing up this month. Of course, we only have a couple of days left, but I came across a scripture that really lines up with the things I've been studying on this subject. And I wanted to share it with you and show you this. Hey, Denise, love you. And Glenn, Sarah, all the kids, I'll tell you what I I really uh, appreciate. And I want to say this to you, Denise, I really appreciate your family and how you've raised the kids. They're godly kids and God's using them. It's encouragement to me. Always has been. We love you guys. Um, listen to this. I'm going to read to you from the book of Revelation. And I want to start with this verse. And I want to show you this. Weaponized words. Weaponized words. How to trigger the enemy of your soul. That's the devil. That that word triggered cracks me up because we live in an outrage culture. We really, really do. We live in an outrage culture. And everybody gets triggered so easily. <laughs> it actually makes me laugh. And I kind of enjoy it, to be honest with you. It's it's kind of, uh, you know, I've, I've grown up this way. Can I just, t- can I tell you something? Uh, I know you could never imagine this on your own. But my cousin Jonathan and I, I know, I know we don't seem like it, but my cousin Jonathan and I have caused trouble through the years. I know we seem like we're just, you know, perfect angels. But one of the things we used to do, one of the things we used to do when the internet was brand new, we were the OG trolls. 
literally. My cousin Jonathan and I were the OG trolls. When the internet first came out, some of y'all will remember this if you're old enough to, um, chat rooms were the biggest thing. You know, you could get into a chat room and chat rooms were um, usually based upon subject and so, uh, or topic. So my, my cousin and I would get into these crazy uh, chat rooms that were like uh, false religions. They were like chat rooms based on false religions. <laughs> and we would get into those chat rooms. And it wasn't just like religions. It was like new age movements, like fringe, weird fringe new age movements. And uh, we would go into those, we would go into, we would go into those weird chat rooms. Yeah, yeah, exactly, Cora. It was like 90s. It was easily early to mid 90s. And we'd go into those fringe um, chat rooms and just start lighting them up. Like seriously, just telling crazy stories. This new age movement destroyed my family. <laughs> and then, you know, the founder of this new age the founder of this new age movement destroyed my family <laughs> or like, then I jump in and like, yeah, me too. <laughs> we started the me too movement in like 1995. Like, yeah, me too. He destroyed my family. Yeah. Aim chat. It was like on that same era. And we'd get into those, we'd get, we'd get into those chat rooms and just like light them up. And then we'd create like three different, you know, usernames to get into the chat rooms and just like people would be so angry. <laughs> And it was great. And that was before triggered culture. That was before uh, outrage culture, cancel culture. Um, we actually were the OG trolls. So we enjoyed that. I should get a badge or something, I know. But nowadays, it takes nothing, nothing to trigger people. I mean, absolutely nothing. Um, you can literally, did you notice this? I mean, have you noticed that you can give someone no, I know we're still, Brittany said, y'all are still triggering people. <laughs> it's true. But now, you know, in an anointed way. Um, <laughs> but did you ever notice how in this generation, you can literally give somebody a compliment and they still get outraged or triggered or angry. Like people, people can take your compliment and turn it around on you and somehow suggest that it was an insult. I don't I don't understand how that works. So like it, here's an example. You could go up to somebody and be like, "Hey, you look really nice today." And they'll get all of it. What are you saying? I don't look nice every day? Like I actually heard that one happen. I actually heard that one happen. You look really nice today. What are you trying to say? I don't look nice every day? It's like, "Okay, take it easy, Maddie McMatterson." I I don't get it. I don't, we live in like an offended, outrage, triggerable society. And it blows my mind. People are just living to be offended by something, living to be offended. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, those are great shoes. You're my clothes are Exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And so we live in that kind of a society. It's insane to me. Very triggered. <laughs> Very triggered, insecure, but it's not just insecurity. It's, it's truly that we have, yeah, insecurity, but it, it's also, it seems like we have created a culture of offense. Like people want 
somehow to be offended as if, if they become offended, it like lifts them to a higher plateau, you know, of, of, you know, almost like a righteous indignation, you know, you shouldn't be making judgments like that. You know, it's like, you shouldn't say things like that. It's like, it's just, we live in that. We live in that, uh, in that world right now. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not speaking on this, but one of, if you want to get really truthfully be honest about it, one of the things that really is at the heart of constant offense really is pride. And it's something that the Bible prophesies would happen at the end of time is that people would become lovers of themselves. You know, and I don't think uh, we could see a more true picture of that in any previous generation than we do now with the selfie generation. You know, we're living in a selfie generation. Even all of our social media, you know, uh, uh, platforms that we have are really all about sharing uh, ourselves with everybody. It, it made me laugh. I was listening to a stand-up comedian and he was like, you know, back in the day, like when my grandfather was alive, he said back in those days, like, you know, early, early turn of the century, he said, isn't it funny how everybody only had like one picture of themselves? <laughs> Did you ever notice that? Like, if you look at those old black and white pictures, there was like one picture of everybody. I mean, and not even, you know, it's funny because people would have their picture made. You remember that phrase? He went in and he's going to have his picture made, you know? And so they'd stand under like the, the, the photo, like the, the camera with like the uh, blanket that went over your head and shoot the flash. And everybody had like, it took like forever to do it. And everybody had like one picture of themselves. He said, it's not going to be the same for our grandkids. They're going to be like, cause like then we're like, Hey, you want to see a picture of my grandfather? And then now it's going to be like, Hey, do you want to see 20,000 pictures of my grandfather and everything he ate for lunch every single day of his life for his entire life? It's going to be totally different. And so literally, um, we live in a, a self-centered culture and really pride stems from, uh, or, or, or excuse me, offense, constant offense really stems from uh, pride. And it's Bible prophecy. The Bible says when you come to the end of time, there would be people who are lovers of themselves. And uh, we see that now more than ever before. Um, humility and meekness keep you from being offended. And I think that's an important point. Humility and meekness keep you from being offended. Of course, we're not, I'm not teaching on this today, but I am touching on it because we're talking about triggered, but we're talking about actively triggering the enemy of our soul, which is Satan and using weaponized words. The point I'm making is you can release words that are not weaponized. You know, I understand there is truly a thing. I mean, hate speech truly is a thing. It's not defined as many people define it. But I understand it's real. I understand that there's things that people say that are hateful, that are actually used to hurt someone. I get all that. And I know there's people that do it. But there are many things that people are saying today that are not meant to be harmful. They're not meant to be hurtful. They're not meant to be elitist. But people are so outraged that they take everything as an insult. They take everything as a reason to be offended. But if you're, hu if you're humble, if you're meek, if you walk in humility, it keeps you from walking in offense. One of the things that humility and meekness does is it always assumes the best about other people. Always, always does. And that's one of the things that we should do. Did you know that there's an actual verse of scripture in the Bible, New Living Translation, that says that we should make room for one another's faults? Did you know that? 
make room for one another's faults, which means people are going to have faults. They're going to have things that you don't care that you don't care for. They're going to have attributes that may annoy you. But the Bible says that in love, we are called to make room for one another's faults and not judge each other so harshly. Did you know that the Bible teaches that those that are judging others literally should turn the mirror back on themselves, the Bible says. It says, if you'll judge yourself, you'll not be judged. And then, you know, Jesus said, you know, you're trying to take the speck out of someone else's eye while there's a log in your own eye. One of the things, and it's not, it's not cliche to say this because it is true. One of the things that we all need to be doing, every one of us, is that we need to be constantly, and I talked a little bit about this yesterday, be introspective about our own lives and asking ourselves the question, not asking, how could they ever treat me like that? But asking the question, how can I treat others like Christ would? How can I treat others in love? How can I walk in love? How can I be an encourager of somebody else? How can I lift somebody to another level? How, if someone has fallen, how can I put my arms under theirs and lift them back up to where they were previously? How can I be someone who encourages others in their purpose? How can I be someone who strengthens the body of Christ? See, if you're actively looking to strengthen the body, if you're actively looking to lift up your brothers and sisters, you can never go wrong living like that. You can't. It's impossible. I'm not telling you people still won't get offended. They will. They will. But you can't allow that to change your own personal life. And so um, I want to encourage you today as we're getting ready to get into this because weaponized words, I'm not talking about weaponizing words against your brothers and sisters or against sinners. I'm talking about weaponizing your words against Satan and every demonic force and power, which you can and Jesus did. And I want to show you the source of that. This verse I'm getting ready to show you in Revelation chapter 2, man, it, it I'm telling you, it gets me so fired up. And then I'll, I'll link it together with other verses uh, speaking about the exact same thing so you can see what's available to, to you and in your words and mouth. Listen to this. Revelation chapter 2, I want you to look with me at verse number 16. Revelation 2, 16. If you haven't taken a minute to share the broadcast, I'd appreciate it if you did. Look at this. Therefore, this is Jesus speaking. Repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. You see that? I will warn. He's talking about, if you read this in context, um, he's actually talking about Gnostic heretics that have snuck into the church and are teaching things against Christ. But he says, I will come back here and I will war against them. Jesus will. With what? The sword of my mouth mouth. I love that phrase. I love that phrase. He said, I'll war against them with the sword of my mouth. So one of the things we need to see is that Jesus is referring here to something that he had in his mouth that was able to do war or go to war. I want you to remember that Jesus here referring to something in his mouth that was able to go. He was able to go to war with he said, I will war against them with the sword of my mouth. That's, that's powerful, man. That's a powerful uh, uh, verse of scripture. But I want to I show you something quickly 
if you have uh, in your Bible, go to the Gospel of John. This is one of my favorite verses in the New Testament as well. I say that all the time, but I just have so many favorites. This shows you the warring that was in Jesus' mouth. The thing that he had, the ability, what he called the sword of his mouth. This shows you how powerful it was. I love this. It's in John chapter 18, and Jesus is getting ready uh, to be taken. And uh, he's in the garden praying, and they come to him to take him away. And I want to start reading with you in uh, the gospel of John chapter 18, and verse four, listen to, the, listen to what the sword of his mouth is capable of doing. The Bible says, then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, said to who? An entire battalion of soldiers, or this translation calls them a band of soldiers. He said, he comes and says to them, whom do you seek? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am. I love that right there. Stop, stop right there. And he said, I am. Now, your translation might have translated it, I am he. But there should be, if you have a faithful translation of the Bible, there should be a little number or a footnote next to that. Uh, with a little, mine has a little number one. And if you go to the bottom, it tells us that all of the original manuscripts say, not I am he, but just say, I am. The same thing that God told Moses to say to Pharaoh, who should I say sent me? He said, tell him, I am that I am has sent you. Jesus here is not just revealing that he's the one they're looking for. They said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. That was his earthly name. That was his carpenter's name, if you will. But he wanted them to understand, you didn't find a carpenter praying in the garden. You found the I am. I love this. He's actually revealing his nature. He said, I am. And look at this. The Bible says, verse six, and when Jesus said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. Who fell to the ground? An entire battalion of soldiers that were armed and dangerous to the point that the Bible says Jesus was so taken and taken back by it that he said, uh, what am I, some dangerous revolutionary that you come to get me with swords and spears? Literally. He said, I've been in the, Jesus said in another portion of scripture, he said, I've been in the synagogue every day teaching. You could have taken me there. Why did you wait until I was out here by myself and you come with a battalion of soldiers like I'm a dangerous revolutionary? And so he said, I am. And when he said, I am, the power, think about this, what he referred to in Revelation as the sword of his mouth, it knocked them all back. He didn't, remember this, Jesus wasn't wearing a sword on his belt in the Garden of Gethsemane. He didn't need a sword on his belt because he had a sword in his mouth. This is powerful, man. He didn't need a sword on his belt because he had a sword in his mouth. And when he revealed his identity, I am, what happened? 
when he revealed that identity, it knocked every one of his opponents back on their back. It incapacitated his opponents. Think about that. I want you to write this in the comments. Put it in the comments section. The word of God incapacitates my enemy. Put it in the comments. The word of God incapacitates my enemy. Put it in the comments section. The word of God incapacitates my enemy. Very important. If you don't want to use incapacitates, just put stops. <laughs> I understand. I totally get it. They fell back. Yeah, the word of God stops my enemy. Thank you, Jesus. The word of God stops my enemy. And that's exactly what happened. He didn't have to pull a sword. He didn't have to do anything except speak the word only. Thank you, Jesus. Speak the word only. And the word was so powerful that it knocked an entire battalion of soldiers backward onto their backs, incapacitated them. Well, why is that? I'm going to jump back to the book of Revelation. And I want to show you how John the Revelator saw Jesus in the vision while he was on the island of Patmos. Listen to this. Uh, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 17, when I saw him, that is Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead. I love this. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I am the first and the last, the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades or hell. Now, if you jump back, I want you to see this. Go to verse 12. Then I turned. This is before he uh, heard the voice. Listen to this. I turned to see who was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the son of man, clothed with a long robe, with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool, white like snow. And his eyes were a flame of fire. And his feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. Look at this. In his right hand, he held seven stars. And from his mouth came a sharp, two-edged, sword. You see that? From his mouth came a sharp, two-edged sword. What is that that John saw? The sword of God that was in the mouth of Christ. The sword of God. The sword of God. What is he talking about? His word is a sword. Thank you, Jesus. His word is a sword. Look at this. Ephesians, go with me. Ephesians chapter 6. I want you to see it. 
Because this right here is the power. I'm setting the stage so you understand what you have in you. Because the same thing that was afforded to Jesus is the same thing that's afforded to you because you belong to Jesus. And so notice this. The Bible says John saw him and out of his mouth proceeded a sword, a sharp two-edged sword. And Jesus said in the very next chapter, I will come back and go to war with the sword of my mouth. And here we see in Ephesians chapter six, hallelujah, as we read about the armor of God, this is so vital. Thank you, brother Chris, for sowing a seed. Look at this. The Bible says that we're to not only be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, but let's start reading about the, um, the armor of God. Verse 13, take, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth and having put on the blessed breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and, get this, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. There you see it again. That's verse 17, Ephesians 6, 17. And taking up the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. What you saw coming out of Christ's mouth is the word of God. In fact, the Bible says that he is the word made flesh. That's John chapter one. Jesus is the word made flesh that dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. And what proceeded from his mouth is the sword of the spirit. He called it the sword of his mouth. The sword of the of his mouth is the word of God. And when he speaks, now, here's the important thing, very important to remember this, is that Jesus himself said, I can say nothing unless I first hear the Father say it. I can say nothing unless I first hear the Father say it. So remember this, everything Jesus spoke was the word of God. It would be impossible for Jesus to be separated from the will of his Father. I showed you that last week. We can look at it again. It's found in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. Listen to this, and I read this often. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Stop there. The exact imprint of his nature. Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. It would have been impossible for Jesus to say anything on the earth that was not the word of God because he is the word made flesh. And when he spoke, he spoke in such a way that he was always speaking the will and words of his father. That's why that when he speaks, out of his mouth proceeds a two-edged sword. 
because it is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So important that we see this. This is how you can harass your enemy. This is truly how you can harass your enemy, by accessing the sword of your mouth. The sword of your mouth. This is powerful, man. The sword of your mouth. I want to show you. I mean, think about this. It was too powerful. I want to give you just a few instances in Scripture. Number one, it was too powerful for the soldiers that came to get him in the garden. So it wasn't one soldier. It was many soldiers. His word was too powerful for the soldiers to overtake him. Their swords and shields and armor were insufficient in the face of his word. Think about that. Knocked them into incapacitated state. They couldn't stop him. Go further than that. His word was too much for death. He stood at the tomb of Lazarus, who'd been dead four days, and out of his mouth came a sword as he spoke the word. Do you know what it did? The sword literally struck death and destroyed death's power over Lazarus. And a dead decomposing man had to come back to life and come walking out of the tomb. Why? Because Jesus struck death by the sword of his word. And it was too much for death. It was too much for natural soldiers. It was too much for death. And it was too much for demon spirits. Let's, let, let's look at that. It was too much for men. It was too much for death. It was too much for demon spirits. In Mark chapter 5, we, we looked at this briefly last night. The Bible says, Jesus tormented thousands of spirits, demon spirits, in Mark chapter 5. The Bible says in verse 7, the demons came crying with a loud voice and said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For Jesus was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And what was he doing in that way? Tormenting thousands of demons by his words. Hallelujah. Tormenting thousands by his words. And he cast out thousands of demons of one, from one man. Legion. A legion of demons. Think about that. And so his words were too much for men who opposed him. They were too much for death that had stolen his friend. They were too much for thousands of demon spirits. And I want you to go further than that. His word was too much even for Satan. Hallelujah. I'm going to show that to you. Go to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. One of my favorite passages, once again. <laughs> One of my favorite passages. I think I can just safely say it's all my favorite. I have to stop saying it's one of my favorite passages because they're all one of my favorite passages. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Listen to this. 
I love this passage. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, starting in verse 7, and we'll go to verse 8. Listen to this. For the mystery, what I'm getting ready, ready to read to you has not happened yet, but it's going to happen very soon. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he's out of the way. Verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth. Do you see that? With the breath of his mouth and the appearance of his coming. Thank you, Jesus. He will bring him to nothing. I love the way that it says it in verse 8, that, that he will kill him with the breath of his mouth and bring him to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Think about that. The appearance of his coming, since he is the word, it's the appearance of the word. And since he speaks the word, the breath of his mouth, he releases the power of the Holy Ghost by speaking the word. He destroys Antichrist and Satan himself with the breath of his mouth and brings them to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Brings to nothing. Can I just give you, can I give you a, an encouraging word here? Because this is what we base our faith on, the mighty word of God. This, you can see how this works. As I've been reading these passages to you, you can see how it works. Everything that opposes you is brought to nothing by the mighty word of God that comes out of your mouth. Everything that opposes you is brought to nothing by the mighty word of God that comes out of your mouth. Think about that. That's the power of having the sword in your mouth. Thank you, Jesus has the power of the sword. He said, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, if Jesus, all he wanted us to do was to be protected against the attacks of the enemy, then he would have stopped after he gave us armor and a shield. We're back in Ephesians 6 now, talking about the armor of God. Think about it. If all Jesus wanted, if all God wanted was for you to be protected from the attacks of the devil, he would have given you armor and a shield and stopped there. But he didn't stop there. He gave you a sword. And that's important. It's important because you don't need a sword unless you are going to be doing some fighting yourself. He doesn't just want to protect you. He wants you to go to war in the same way that Jesus said, I will come back and I will go to war with the sword of my mouth. God wants you to go to war, fight the good fight of faith, and lay hold. How do you fight the good fight of faith? By going to war with the words of your mouth. And they are the words that are God's words that fill your mouth. That's why when you speak God's word, it is always weaponized to destroy the attack of the devil that's come against you. Always. The word of God is a weapon that destroys, thank you, Brother Chris, that destroys the attack of the devil that's been sent to destroy you. And so that's the, this is where the devil tries to trick us and keep us from speaking the word of God. If you notice that, 
Every time people go through an issue, the enemy always tries to tempt them to speak about the issue and speak about the problem and talk about how bad things are and focus on uh, you know, the devil and, his, and what he's doing. I'm going to show you something. In the book of Psalms, the psalmist wrote, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Now, I've used this analogy before, but you need to hear it. When he said, oh, magnify the Lord, when you praise God or worship God or whatever you might do, when you focus on him with your words, that doesn't change the size or the power of God in any way. He's the same that he's always been. Bible says in Malachi chapter three, I believe it's verse eight, I'm the Lord, your God. I do not change. God is unchanging. Jesus, the Bible says, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. So when we worship or praise God or we magnify him or we focus on him with our words, we're not changing the size or the power of God. When he said magnify the Lord, that doesn't mean we make God bigger. No. You know as well as I do that if you have a magnifying glass and you use it, it doesn't make the thing you're looking at bigger. It just makes your view of it bigger. That's how a magnifying glass works. So when we magnify the Lord, we're not making God bigger. We're making our view of him bigger. And the problem is the devil knows that if he can get you to focus on your problems and focus on your fears and your anxieties and the things that bring depression to you, then what you're doing is you're making your view of them bigger. Instead of magnifying the Lord, you're magnifying your problems. And when you magnify your problems, it makes your view of them bigger. You know what's interesting? I was recently with my uh, my family when we were out preaching, and uh, we took a family day with some of our friends that came in, and we went to a Dave and Buster's. If you've ever been to one of those in the mall, or some of them are freestanding, you go into Dave and Buster's, and it's you know it's just like a big, it's basically like Chuck E. Cheese for adults. <laughs> and so we went in, and they had a new uh, section set up, which was very cool. Um, they had an entire virtual reality ride, and the entire you know it was like a row of chairs like you would have on a roller coaster. And so you go in and we we all went in and when you're on that, they give you the huge VR goggles to put on. So we had the massive, you know, they come out like far from your face, massive VR goggles. And then when you sit back, your chair has the speakers behind your ears. So it sounds like surround sound. And then the actual row of chairs is on hydraulics. So it's like moving around with the ride. And when you get into the ride, you can choose from like four or five different, uh, you know, adventures that you want to go on. And so we actually chose like a medieval fantasy, like a Lord of the Rings style adventure to ride. And you're, it's basically like you're riding these dragons through a kingdom and, you know, you're, you're blowing fire and destroying all of the enemies or whatever. And so it's insane because you know you're not really there, obviously. But what VR does, virtual reality, is it tricks your mind into believing and feeling like you are actually there. So how does it do that? It puts over your eyes a picture or a movie 
that makes you feel as though you're there. And it's amazing how VR works because it's not just like you're watching a screen, but when you turn your head and look in any direction, you're actually seeing the world you're in. You can look around, you can look below, above, you know, you're not just stuck to a movie screen. You're seeing everything as though you're there. The sound that's being played into your ears, it only adds to the illusion that you are there. You hear things that are coming up from behind you and then you see them and, you know, all the things that are happening. And then the movement of the chair, you know, as your, as your ride uh, may, maybe swoops down out of the sky, your chair falls and you feel, you can actually feel the momentum of the ride. All of that. You know you're not there. You're not actually there. It's not real. But you're made to feel. Your body is made to feel as though you are there participating in it. If you've ever been into one of even the more professional ones at uh, amusement parks and stuff, they'll actually blow wind on your face and you'll feel actual raindrops come down, stuff like that. That's called 4D. And so you understand that it's putting you into that position. It's magnifying that image in your mind. It's magnifying that uh, that, uh, atmosphere that you're in, even though you're not really there. And in the same way, the devil wants to do that by deception. He wants to put a view over your eyes. He wants to let you hear things from him that make you feel like it's true. He wants to move things around in your life so that it feels like it's true. But remember this, that you have the ability at any time to take the goggles off. You have the ability at any time to stand up out of the chair and be done with that reality that alternate reality. You have the ability to stand up, take the goggles off and see what's true. And the power of God's word is the ability to take off that deception that the enemy has tried to drape over your eyes. The power of God's word is what lets you stand. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Allows you to stand up and declare, I refuse. That is not my reality. That will not be my reality. That will not be my story. And the mighty word of God allows you to stand up and declare, my reality will be governed by the mighty words that were spoken and breathed from the mouth of the living God. And you begin to understand that when I magnify the Lord, I'm not making him bigger. I'm making my view of him bigger. I can see the details of his goodness. I can see the intricacies of his grace. I can look at him and let my vision be filled with him so it, so that it's so full, I can't see anything else around me. And that's what the psalmist was encouraging the people to do. Magnify the Lord. Focus on him. Look at his goodness. You know, when you read, let me, let me go with you to Psalm 150. When you read uh, what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 150, such a powerful thought. The Bible says, and we're, we're commanded to do this, by the way. These are commands for followers of God. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Can I stop there? When it says praise him for his mighty deeds, that means recount them, recount them, remember them. Do you know, let me give you a little example here. Do you know when somebody has had an emotional trauma in their life, emotional trauma, it can cause something called 
and we've all heard of it, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Many times, soldiers who have been to war have it when they come home. People that were rape victims or uh, you know, that, that saw murder or had a family member murdered in front of them, something like that. It causes stress to the mind. And many times when you talk to these people, they won't ever want to talk about the things that happened to them in their past. There's many times if there's soldiers that have come back and have seen horrific things, they don't want to talk about them. They just say, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about what I've seen. People that have had those experiences where they've been raped in the past or seen a murder committed in front of their face or a family member murdered, from, they, they say, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Why? Because one of the things that happens is that as you talk about it, what's going on? It's causing your mind to recount it. It's actually causing your mind to relive it in order to explain it in order to tell the story, in, in order to go deeper into it, your mind has to dwell on it. You have to remember what happened. You have to almost go back there in your mind and remember it. And it causes people to relive that stress or that trauma and they don't want to talk about it. See, and this is important because the actual opposite is true if you read Psalm 150. There's a reason. See, God knows our psychology. He knows our makeup. He made us. He understands how our minds work. So when he says, praise him for his mighty deeds, remember this, praise him for his mighty deeds. What's happening is, is that when you recount the good things God has done, what happens? It causes it to be replayed in your mind. It's a recounting. It's a replaying of the goodness of God in your life. And every time, this is why, remember this. This is why that your testimony is so powerful because every time you testify about the things God has done in your life, it causes you to recount it. It causes it to fill your mind. Remember this, cause it to refill your mind. Can I tell you when God healed my daughter, Madeline, of what, they, what the doctors said was congestive heart failure and a blood disease. We were in the ICU. We were in the hospital. And uh, same for my daughter, Brooklyn, in the ICU in Jacksonville, Florida, during a revival. The devil's laughing in your face and saying, oh, I thought you were a faith man, thought you were a miracle man, thought you were a man of God, can't even keep your own family healed. And those are the thoughts that come to you. But can I tell you that when the Lord healed my daughter, Madeline, and healed my daughter, Brooklyn. Every single time that I recount the testimony of Madeline's miracle, and I've done it many times, every single time that I tell what God did, I can feel the same anointing. Hear me. I can feel the same anointing that I felt on the day God did it. On the day that I got the report saying she's healed, we can't find any trace of the disease in her blood. We can't even diagnose her with anything. We just have to send her home. I feel the same anointing. I feel the same power when I recount that testimony as I did on the day I got the report. Why? Because our testimony is a recounting and a retelling of what God has done. And when we relive his goodness 
and relive his mercies and his power. It just brings us into remembrance that he's able to do exceeding abundantly and above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. And I'm telling you, that's why the psalmist said, magnify the Lord. And we're commanded here, praise him for his mighty deeds. We have weaponized words. One of the things, we don't just speak the word of God, but according to scripture, on top of speaking the word of God, we talk about and tell about his mighty deeds. We talk about our testimonies. And when we do, guess what? It refills our minds. It refocuses our eyes on the power of God. It's enough to say, it's enough to remind you, if he could do that back then, what can he do now? If he could do this back then, what could he do now? And your testimony, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 11, that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. No question about it. The blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That's why I'm encouraging you to weaponize your words. There's people that watch this uh, broadcast faithfully. And I saw some of your testimonies and I saw some of you that are still battling. There's people that watch me that are battling anxiety, heavy anxiety. There's people that watch me daily battling chronic depression, battling panic attacks, suicidal thoughts. I know that. There's people watching me that are battling PTSD. I know that. I know that. And that's why I'm encouraging you. Because the Bible teaches us that the battlefield is not your spirit. And the battlefield is not your flesh. But the battlefield is in your mind. That is the place where war is waged. That's where the devil tells you lies, but that's where God's truth has to overcome. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's why Paul had so much to say about your mind. Set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. I'm working on something right now. I don't know when it'll ever be available. I mean, I've got so many things in the queue, but the Lord started to speak to me yesterday as I was Uh, as I was riding, I was actually riding the bike. And uh, one of the things that, that the Lord spoke to me, he said, begin to teach people. It was actually last night, uh, we talked a little bit about Jacob and and his recognition of the fact that he was Israel, not no longer Jacob. And Jacob was given the news and Israel sat up in bed and strengthened himself. And the Lord said to me, he said, begin to teach people about how they can fuel their minds and spirits to keep themselves in a place of power, to keep themselves in a place of victory. You can actually provide fuel for your mind and your spirit that will keep you in a place of victory. I don't think that enough people understand or recognize that you are actually fueling one or the other. Some people don't even recognize that the things that are happening in their life are happening to them And I don't mean externally, I mean in their own mind and in their life. They're happening because they have unguarded thoughts, they have unguarded heart, they have unguarded eyes and ears, and they fill themselves with anxiety. I'll give you an example. 
during the time of the Gulf War, somebody came to my father and said, Brother Ted, would you please pray for my husband? I think he's having a nervous breakdown. He said, well, I'd be happy to pray for him. And so this woman brought her husband to the altar. And he's, you know, he's shaken. Looks like his nerves are shot, completely shot. And my dad wanted to get just a little bit more information and said, uh, what, have, what have you been doing? What's been going on? How did this come upon you? He said, Brother Ted, I don't really know. I'm not really doing anything. He said, I've really been just at home. And he said, I, I, had, I brought all of my TVs into my living room. I got three TVs on. He said, and I've got all the news networks, CBS, NBC, ABC. And he said, I've been watching just coverage of the, of the war, Desert Storm. And he said, so I've been just watching that. And then my wife just uh, brings me coffee. And I've been just drinking coffee and, and watch, watching the rewards of the war. Well, he didn't have a demon attacking him. There wasn't some spiritual attack. It was the fact that all he filled his mind with, what was he doing? Magnifying the problems that were going on in the world. Some people need to turn the news off instead of leaving the news on. There's people that are totally bent out of shape, off their rocker, literally living in panic and fear because all they do is keep the news on. They watch the news. I need a news update. What's going on? Let me check the Twitter feed. What's Fox News saying? What's CNN saying? And all, all they do is fill their mind with that. And then caffeine. I got caffeine. I got the news. And I, I feel like, oh, I don't. it's not anxiety attack. It's not a demon. It's called common sense. Do what the word of God says. Guard your heart, Proverbs chapter four, for out of it flow the issues of life. Out of it flow the issues of life. Guard your home. Guard your children. Guard their minds. Guard your mind. And then use weaponized words to destroy the attack of the enemy. Destroy the attack of the enemy. Why? By the weapon of your words. Trigger your enemy. Send him running in fear. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Can I, can I finish with this? And I'm going to pray for you because I feel the anointing right now to pray for those to be delivered that are battling PTSD, anxiety, depression, fear. But the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. But let me ask you a question. How do we actively resist the devil? Well, how did Jesus do it? He was tempted in the wilderness 40 days. How did Jesus resist the devil? Every single time the devil brought a temptation to Jesus, the Bible says he answered him and said, it is written. Hallelujah. What did Jesus do? He went to war with the sword of his mouth. The sword of his mouth. It is written. Every person that's watching me, Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, I want you to put it in the comments section. It is written. It is written. Right now, I want you to type it in. Don't miss this moment because I'm getting ready to pray and I'm telling you, things are turning in our favor in Jesus' mighty name. It is written. It's in the word of God. It's already here. Already. That's it. Pop it in. It is written. <clears throat> Write it. Declare it. This is how we resist the devil. We answer him with the word of God. We answer him with the mighty word of the most high God. 
It is written. Devil's got no answer for that. And he had no answer for Jesus. And the Bible says at the end, after Jesus kept answering him with the word, the Bible says, and the devil had to leave him and try to come back at a more opportune time. It makes an uh, inconvenient time for your, de- for your enemy to harass you when you speak the word. Speaking the word <laughs> makes it an inconvenient time for your enemy. Is this a good time? No, it is written. Hey, just want to come back. Is this a good time? No, it's not a good time. It is written. It is written in Jesus' name. It is written. Thank you, Lord. Listen to Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of of the heart. The word of God is more powerful than any weapon, sharper than any two-edged sword. And so understand as we speak it, we're speaking something out of our mouth that is stronger than any weapon. It's weaponized words. We resist the devil by speaking weaponized words. And of course, we now fill ourselves with the ability to uh, magnify the Lord by recounting his goodness, and his grace. That's how we set our mind. You can actively set your mind. Two ways. You know, one of the things that I I love to say is when you're setting your mind, there's two different ways you can set your mind. Number one, you can set it like you would set, back in the day we had DVRs. I don't know how many people are still using a DVR. But even these uh, now digital cable, if you have YouTube TV or if you have Fubo.tv or something like that, You can always set those programs to record on your cloud content and then they record in the cloud and you can watch them later. Set your mind, number one, like a DVR to record the thoughts of God. When God speaks, I'm recording the thoughts of God. As I read his word, I'm recording the thoughts of God. Can I just say, you know, if you're, um, maybe I'd like to take a broadcast and do this, but you know, one of the best ways, I want, I want people to be able to get the most out of their Bible study time. I, I really do. I don't want people to just go blowing through chapters. And before we get into May, maybe a good thing to do would be to kind of walk you through a really efficient way to get the most out of your Bible study time so that you're seeing the most. And here's an important thing, logging and remembering the most of what you're studying. Because, you know, when you read, and I'm sure many of you have had this, when you study the Word, Many thoughts come to you, many revelations. The Holy Spirit will speak to you as you're studying. But the question is, what are you doing with those thoughts? How are you, how are you taking care? How are you stewarding those important revelations the Holy Spirit's given you? There's got to be a system. So I want to I take time before we get into May, and we only have a couple of days, really. It's the 28th. We've got tomorrow and the next day, and then we got May. But I want to show you how to get the most out of your Bible study time. And log those things because we set our minds to record the thoughts of God. What, what, if you, what if you wanted to go back and reference something that the Holy Spirit had told you? How would you find it? Do you have it cataloged in any kind of a way? Do you have it organized in any kind of a way? Is it findable? I mean, he's not giving it to you for no reason. He's giving it to you to use. How, how are you logging it? Where, where's your information that the Holy Spirit's giving you? So I'll show you even through some apps and some different things. 
I'll show you, and hopefully it'll be a help to you, the way that I've been able to, uh, over the last however many years, do Bible study in an efficient way that allows me to log every thought the Holy Spirit has told me. So that if I have, uh, and maybe I'll do some screenshots so you can even see it uh, on your screen as we're going through it. Maybe that maybe that's what I'll do. And I know it'll be helpful to you, but it, it's extremely helpful to me. And I can go back and I always have those things the Lord showed me. Always had those things the Lord showed me. But notice this, that we are filling ourselves That's number one, recording the thoughts of God. But number two, we set our minds like a thermostat. Notice the thermostat is set first and then the rest of the room follows it. The thermostat is set first. If your room is at 78 and you want it at 74, then you go to the thermostat and you change it to 74. That thermostat will then govern the rest of the environment of your house. If it's working. (laughs) And it'll bring that temperature from 78 down to 74 because you made one change on the wall. And when you set your mind like a thermostat, if you don't like the outcome of your life, if you don't like what you're seeing, if you don't like what you're experiencing, if you don't like what you have, then you've got to change it by doing what Paul the Apostle taught and set your mind like a thermostat. And when you set this as a man thinks in his heart, So is he. So I will experience the realities of what's in my heart. Isn't that what the Bible teaches? Proverbs chapter four, I believe it's verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life. So if I don't like what I'm seeing, change what's in my heart. Change what's in my heart. No, they didn't have thermostats back then. (laughs) Jacob said they had thermostats back then. I'm saying set your mind like a thermostat and let it change the avenue of your life because I've guarded my heart, I've controlled what's gone into it, and now that controls what comes out of it. And what I've put into myself is now coming out of me and it will change my life. Everything that, re- everything that comes out of your life is a seed, everything. The words you speak, the actions you take, the financial seeds you sow, everything's a seed that will produce a harvest. And so I want you to hear this today. Set your mind like a thermostat and govern the truth of your life by the word of God you speak and by the praise you give God and recounting of his goodness and his grace and his glory. And I'm telling you, it changes you. I'm going to pray because I feel the anointing. There's people that are battling. There's people that are battling in their minds. I prayed. I told you the other day I was praying in two locations last year, the Lord told me to call anybody forward that just has continual dreams of death. And I didn't think anybody would come. If anything, I thought one person would come. And many, many people came forward in both cases. Many blew my mind, but it showed me, the Lord was showing me that people are battling in their minds. People are battling in their minds. So I want to pray for you because if you're battling in your mind today, the Lord will set you free. He'll bring you peace that goes beyond human understanding. He'll give you a joy that is overwhelming and overflowing. And that's our prayer. So I want you to bow your head. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying for your people today. I pray that you'd touch them supernaturally by your power. And now, Lord, we ask you, for every person that's battling depression, anxiety, panic attacks, suicidal thoughts, Lord, I ask you today, to destroy by the breath of your mouth every spirit of heaviness, as your word calls it. 
drive it away from their home. I pray, Lord, that you'd fill them with joy, overwhelming and overflowing. I pray that you'd fill them with a peace that passes all understanding in the mighty name of Jesus. Touch your people today. Touch your people today. Lord, for those that have been battling, maybe they went through trauma and they're battling with PTSD. They're dealing with those issues of hurt in their past. Lord, if you can heal the sick, if you can raise the dead and heal cancer, I know you can heal every heart and heal every emotion. And so I'm praying, Lord, today for all of my brothers and my sisters. They're battling with trauma, post-traumatic stress from whatever, whatever has happened in the past, whether it was experiences in the military, whether it was rape in the past or abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse, whether no matter what it was, crime, I take authority over that fear that tries to set up in their heart, that stress that tries to weigh their mind down. And I command you to be free in Jesus' mighty name. Be free in the name that's above every name. Lord, let peace and joy fill their heart. Take away that trauma. Take away that hurt. Take away the shock in their spirit. Take it away and let them have perfect peace today. Heal them of that, Lord. We ask you in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for it. We declare it. And we say thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you receive that prayer, not only do I want to hear your testimony, send it in, but I want you to put it in the comments, I am free. Every person receives it, put it in the comments today, I am free. I believe you are. And listen, I want you to text me. If you've never connected with me by text before, uh, you can go to miracleword.com forward slash text. You can fill out that form. It literally puts your information directly into my phone. And then we can uh, stay in contact via text message. And I can text you, but in the same way, you can text me, send me prayer requests. I can keep you updated. We can, I can pray for you by name. And uh, it's, it's one of the greatest gifts we have to be able to stay in contact this way. So if you've not gotten a chance to do it, I want to encourage you to go to miracleword.com forward slash text Fill that form out and let's stay in contact. It really is me texting you, by the way. It's not somebody in the office or some automated service. It's really me. So when you send me a text, I get it to my phone. And when I respond or when I text you, I'm the one sending it. And uh, I have to say that because people always say, this isn't really Ted. You know, It's me. It's, it's actually me. It's not some like weird dude in his mom's basement in a, in a you know, a wife beater with Cheetos crumbs on his face. Um, it's actually me. <laughs> I like it. Freedom. <laughs> Braveheart. Love it. Um, but sign up and let's be a, be a part of this. Be a part of this. And let's stay in contact via text message because I want to hear from you and I want you to hear from me. And I want to be able to encourage you when I feel a word for you. I want to be able to send it directly to you. You know, social media can filter us. You may not see all my posts. I may not see all yours. Even email, you know, email doesn't get open. People have huge email boxes with tons of unread emails. It can get lost. But if we can stay in contact via text message, then I can text you, you can text me, and we can stay on top of it, and I want to be connected with you. And I want to encourage those of you that are, are connected with this ministry as well to stand with us. I mean, literally. <laughs> People are making me God's moving. God is moving. And I'll tell you, Mary Sue said, he really does answer. I do. I answer as many as I can. Do you know, one of, one of the great things, we were in North Carolina, and I just felt to pray for you guys by name, and I'll do this if I'm on a plane. You know, before I'll take off, I'll text you and say, hey, send me your prayer request because I'm praying during the whole flight. And I was in North Carolina, 
and getting ready to pray through the night the Lord directed me to. So I wanted to know what your prayer requests were. You know, I sent you a text and literally it wasn't 50 minutes, less than an hour. We had well over 200 prayer requests come back and I spent the night praying for you. I love you and I want to see God touch you and change your life and family. I'm standing with you by faith. This isn't just something I say on the broadcast. You can ask anybody that hangs around me. You can ask my wife. We take it seriously and we stand with you and pray. We've stood in our kitchen and joined hands and prayed and prayed for people that have needs. And I'm telling you, God answers prayer. God answers prayer. And listen to me, if nobody else is praying for you, I want you to know I'm praying for you. And I mean that. If nobody else, love you, Andrew. If nobody else is praying for you, I'm praying for you. And I want you to know that I am. And I want to encourage you, those of you, you've seen other people sowing already today. I want to encourage you to sow a seed. Thank you, Billion. I want to encourage you to sow a seed. It's important. I told you last night, if you were on the broadcast, God has a plan to bless us violently this year. And before May comes to an end, these next five weeks, before May comes to an end, I'm believing that we will see a mighty, mighty increase financially and in every area of life. We'll see it. And nobody will be able to say it's a coincidence. God will get the glory for what's going to happen. I believe that. And I've been praying, and so has Carolyn, that people would stand with us in partnership. And I know the Lord's speaking to you because people are constantly calling, texting us, sending, thanks, Chad, sending us messages. The Lord dealt with my heart today. I feel to stand with you in partnership. And if you do feel to stand with us in partnership, you can go to miracleword.com and right there you can see the partner button in the menu on the mobile version. It's at the top of the page if you're on your laptop or whatever. And click that partner button and you can fill out the form and stand with us. If you feel to do less than $85, which is what we ask people to begin at that for partnership level, but there's something you'd like to give every month. You can go to the give page. If you just click give, There's an you have the ability to set up a recurring seed that you sow every week, every two weeks, every month, every year, however ever often you'd like to do it. And do what the Lord tells you to do. That's what's important, that you obey the voice of the Lord for your own personal life because everyone's life is different. Thank you, Daphne, for sowing a seed. I appreciate all of you that are standing with us. I mean, it really, really means a lot. And of course, we this is not your, you know, we do this to say thank you. This is not the blessing for giving, but we're gonna say thank you to every person that's sowing this month at $100 or more, this is one of the best books ever. As you know, I've been talking about it, The End by Dr. Mark Hitchcock. And uh, it's our gift to you. If you'd like to get your gift, I want to say this because sometimes people give by Cash App or they give by a method like Venmo where we don't have your mailing address. And if we don't have your mailing address, there's not a way for us to get you the book. So that you see on the screen, miracleword.com forward slash offer. Um, if you would go to that webpage, and fill it out. Tell us where you gave. Give us your mailing address. And we can send you the book in the mail. And um, make sure you do that so that we can send you the book in the mail. And then we've been just shipping these out. And more more getting ready to go out. But uh, we're sending this out to everybody that partners with us at $1,000 or more. It's our way of saying thank you to you that are sowing those kinds of large seeds. And it, me it does mean something. It means something in the kingdom. It's changing our generation. Not only will we send you the book, but we're going to send you this genuine leather life application study Bible in the New Living Translation, one of my new favorite study tools. And this will be signing to your family 
as our way of saying thank you to those that are sowing larger seeds, a thousand or more. And uh, we love you very much. I think that's a good idea. I'd like to, um, I'd like to take the time and I, I will do that. The other thing, I get so many questions now from pastors and ministers that I'm going to take the time to uh, do a broadcast on how we do these live streams and what equipment you need and uh, what it takes and how you could get one going for your church or for your ministry. Because uh, I just, I get so many questions and they're all the same questions and I spend hours on the phone with people. Um, so we're going to take the time maybe in the afternoon one day to just kind of show you quickly how we do the live streams and I, hopefully it'll be a it'll be a help to you guys as well. Once again, if you just came on and you you didn't get to see this at the beginning, um, don't forget, Carolyn's got brand new nonstop mom mugs available in the uh, store, shop.miracleword.com. The, yesterday we put them up and the first shipment completely sold out in a matter of hours. And now we've got more that are on the way and you can order yours now and we'll send it to you as well. And I know it'll be a great blessing to you as well as we've got the Miracle Word Kids tumblers available. If you want to go check those out, tons of stuff for your kids, got new shirts coming for them. Um, it's going to be great. So, so much going on uh, to bless you guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks for hanging. Don't forget tonight, and let me give you that graphic just in case you're just now uh, logging on. Tonight, 9 p.m., we're back. Part two, keys to never-ending victory. Not going to want to miss it. 9 p.m. Eastern time. Um, and we're going all the way through Saturday night. And then we're going to take Sunday off. And I'll be back at night again with you next week, Monday through Saturday, again at 9 o'clock p.m. So don't miss this. Coming back tonight at uh, 9 p.m. It's going to be great. I love you guys so much. Thank you to everybody that's sewing. Thanks for spending time with me today. And uh, looking forward to seeing you tonight. Have a great day. And we'll talk to you again very soon. See ya. Between pages of an old family Bible. I found dates of births, deaths, and no revival. Then I came up on a page. It was written by people hand. It said, this is my last request, and these are my funeral plans. Oh, when I die, let me die speaking of. Let it ring in my ears. All of these songs I've sung Lord
Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of. 